Alexa, say hi. Hi there. <laughs> That's it. So I'm enjoying <laughs> that. That's my pick. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the iFreak Show. Today on our panel, we have Rod Schmidt. Hello from Salt Lake. My name is James Zuber. I'm from Minneapolis. Today on our show, we have Alex Austin. Alex, can you introduce yourself? Sure. Hey, everybody. My name is Alex. I am the CEO and co-founder of a company called Branch. We're based in Palo Alto, California, and we've got about 90 people so far. I believe we've been around for about two and a half, close to three years now. And we provide a service where we provide deep linking infrastructure for app developers. So there's many, many different potential use cases of that infrastructure. And hopefully we'll talk through some of those today. Simply, anywhere where there is a link pointing back to your app, it should be a branch link because we will do linking better than the developer ever should and probably most likely could. So Very cool. Maybe we should define what deep linking is. Yeah, sure. High-level description. Hopefully, the audience is is, uh, relatively familiar with it because Apple has been doing a lot of work in this space over the last few years. But the high-level premise is, is something that people are very familiar with in the web. So think about the use case where you receive a link to an article from a friend. You click on it, and immediately in the browser, that article will load, and so you can read it. Very, very simple functionality, that world. So creating the same use case in the app world where you receive a link to an article, you have that particular news outlet's app installed on your phone, you click on it, the app opens, you should see that article, and when you do, you that concept is referred to as deep linking. So you were deep linked to that article. Majority of the time, people don't actually build this, and the app might open up, and you might get shown the home screen, or maybe the browser will just open even though you have the app installed, which is a very poor experience. Definitely. I'd say experiences with deep linking, let's say you get an email or a push notification or a text message and you click on it, it's typically a bad experience. Like Most apps don't do this well. They Go get to the wrong place and you're not logged in correctly. And having done this for, for an app, I, I know how hard it is to get it right. But um, yeah, what are some tips to get this working correctly? Well, there's a lot. It's incredibly hard to build. Like in the browser case, back for websites, it just was baked into the standard. You know, every single page on a website has a unique URL. And the browser's job is to basically, you know, download the website from that URL and then display it properly. In the app world, really because of the way that Apple designed you know, Xcode and uh, some of the app development principles, developers typically think of their app as a storyboard, one which has a beginning and an end. Or with a deep link, you basically have to throw that storyboard concept out the window and think about each view controller as individually addressable. And it changes the paradigm in how you build and think about the app. And there's a ton of different edge cases that you likely have to encounter or you'll have to solve when you're building and modeling. You know, some, some quick examples is, let's just say, for example, 
the typical storyboard of your app is you have a splash page where maybe you show your logo, which takes you to a home screen. And then from the home screen, there's a list of shoes people can buy. When you click on that shoe, it loads a, you know, shoe view controller that will give the, the user all of the details of that particular shoe. To deep link to a pair of shoes now, there's a pathway where somebody will enter your app and the first view controller they should see is the shoe detail view controller. So there's a lot of implications in terms of how you do view controller stack management. You know, if you're using a navigational controller, you basically have to programmatically fill the nav controller, uh, view controller array with the splash screen and the home screen and then the shoe detail screen so that the user gets and sees that particular view controller right away. Then you might have to add an additional back button that makes it incredibly easy on the shoe detail page to go back to the main menu page whether or not the user has actually seen it before. So there's a lot of different navigational you know, uh, features that you need to think through and test very carefully before you roll this out, because I guarantee you know, something, you'll miss something if you aren't careful when you're thinking through a lot of this, these user flows. Well, that, that makes sense. Now, on the web, we've got a unique URL that we can go to that brings up our app. How does this translate to... The app world. We get a URL, but how does our app know that we can open this type of link? Yeah. So there's a couple different ways. And unfortunately, this is one of the things that if you don't use branch, you have to deal with on your own. So the, and I'll describe a little bit of the inner workings at a high level, uh, hopefully that will, you know, about how branch works. And then I can describe how we try to simplify it for developers. So you don't have to think about all this complexity. So. Deep linking has had a long history in iOS, and it's given birth to a few different paradigms for how to think about adding deep linking and how to think about, you know, creating these URLs for individual shoe detail pages, just rolling with the previous example. So the previous mechanism, basically up until iOS 8, there was the concept of a URI with a path. And so you would, uh, in your plist file, when you built your app, set a URI scheme, which could be anything that you wanted, which was an alternative to HTTP. And so the way that Apple would process these URI schemes um, would be that, so an example for the shoe one is, it's my shoe app is the URI scheme. So if the link that is my shoe app, colon, slash, slash, you know, pair of shoes, one, two, three. Apple would process the click of that link, look for an app that's presently installed that has the URI scheme registered for my shoe app, and then pass that URI scheme path, that URI path, into the app for the developer to handle routing. The alternative and you know, to that URI scheme was HTTP links, and all of those were defaulting to the browser. So you click on HTTP myshoeapp.com slash pair of shoes one, two, three, four, that would load in the browser 100% of the time. So you basically had to have two separate unique URLs depending on if you wanted to link to the app or link to the website. Uh, and this is all, you know, iOS 8 and before. And it gave birth to all sorts of complexity in terms of when do you link to the app 
How do you know if the app's installed? All sorts of stuff that added a, a ton of overhead for developers. The other problem is that because this persisted for, you know, six years of iOS development through all the way up through iOS 8, all the apps that adopted deep linking into their standards, like or Twitter or Pinterest, they built this concept of app links that would promote deep linking from, you know, the Facebook news feed, for example, on top of this URI scheme standard. Then in iOS 9, Apple said, forget about URI schemes. They're dead to us. We're going to roll out this concept of universal link. And universal link are now HTTP myshoeapp.com slash, you know, shoeapp123 could open up the app so that now the web link would correctly open up the app when it's installed and fall back to the website when the app is not installed. And there's a bunch of configuration that you have to do. And we have a ton of guides online if, you, if you're not familiar with this concept on how to get all set up with universe. It's basically turned HTTP links into deep links as well. But meanwhile, on the rest of the ecosystem, Apple rolled this out and it basically only worked on iOS apps. And meanwhile, Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest, most of the places where your links are likely getting posted don't support universal links because they've built their entire foundation on top of the previous uh, standard, the URI scheme standard. And so now, because there's this fragmentation of standards, developers are forced to basically implement both you know, mechanisms. And it's one of the abstractions that we try to take away. So you don't have to worry about your iPaths. You don't have to worry about even web, web link paths. We store everything in the concept of a, like a state. So it's not just a URL path anymore. You basically say, here's this shoe app detail page. And the current state is that, you know, it's been added to cart or something like that, or it's sold out. Let's say sold out that is a better example. You pass that to branch in a dictionary of keys and values, and we will return to you a short URL that permanently references that state. And then any user who clicks that link, we will handle all the routing. So we'll do URI paths on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and everywhere where those are needed, universal links in the place where those are actually compatible. And then we'll deliver this bundle of state into the app so that the developer can actually do routing appropriately depending on the keys and values within that dictionary. And so it helps abstract this concept of deep linking across the many fragmented standards that exist today and on the iPhone. That, so hopefully I mean, that, that helps. Yeah, that, I mean, that sounds like really basic functionality, but if you've ever tried to implement deep linking, even in iOS 9, say from a push notification and like pass some info on it, there's not a really easy way to do yeah. it. it. It's surprisingly like... You it's have to, crazy. Yeah, you have to create your own little implementation. I, I scoured through the documentation for quite a while. Like, wait a minute, there's no way to do this. I just want to pass in the ID of, you know, this thing I'm opening, you know, the shoe ID. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, this is actually... Exactly. Super, yeah, the, it sounds, seems like a no-brainer, but it's cool functionality. Yeah, so we, we just wanted to, like, there's, you know, if you try to do this yourself, there's, I think, three different lifecycle calls in the app delegate that you have to handle yourself correctly parse when that path is, you know, delivered to you, depending if it's a universal link or URI scheme, et cetera, and then route appropriately. We basically just create one uh, callback block 
where you can put all your routing code and we'll deliver that, that dictionary of keys and values and you just do it, you know, depending on what the keys and values say. And so it just really simplifies the implementation process dramatically so that you don't have to worry about all the complexity of, you know, if they're coming from Facebook, it's this, if they come from Twitter, we have to do the other thing, et cetera, et cetera. So. Now, what are, what are some typical examples of deep linking? So, you know, a, you're, you're, when you say examples, you're probably referring to features that people might build. And we've considered, you know, that core concept that I just described of you register a routing function with branch and we pass in the dictionary. We consider that just sort of this basic deep linking infrastructure. And we never really wanted to step too much farther beyond that because we didn't want to pretend like we could even like imagine all of the possibilities of the things that people could build on top of that infrastructure. And we've just seen the craziest, most unique things that really deliver incredible user experiences built on top of that simple routing mechanism, you know, but I'll talk about some high level clusters of the concepts to help, you know, sort of stimulate creativity. One of the most basic ones is around sharing. So if you are uh, you have some content. Let's say you, you have the shoe app. There's actually a really good shoe app um, that I recommend downloading. I think it's a uh, targeting folks called sneakerheads. I'm not sure if anyone's seen that Netflix documentary uh, that describes this whole subculture. But there's this app called Goat in the App Store where you know sneakerheads can trade these unique and rare shoes with other with other folks. Um, but they do a really great flow where if you go to share a pair of shoes via SMS or Facebook or you name it, any channel, they'll create a deep link that permanently references that pair of shoes. And so when that destination user, the receiving user of that share or anyone who's browsing through their Facebook feed clicks that link, it will, if the app's installed, immediately open it up and show that pair of shoes but the fallback is even cooler, which is something that we built uh, on top of our platform. Of We call it deferred deep linking, where when the user does not have the app, they get sent to the app store where the user can install the app. Upon opening the app for the very first time, we'll pass that same shoe dictionary through. So that new user actually gets routed right to the same pair of shoes that they clicked on, even though it was the first time they've ever opened up the app. So really, really powerful uh, user experience is built on top of that sharing example. There's another, you know, a whole a whole set of folks. If you have a website already and you're trying to drive app adoption, so Pinterest is a great example of a company that does this really well uh, with Branch. So. If you are searching on Google or whatever for some sort of, you know, creative crafts project and a Pinterest web page shows up, you click on it, it'll load their mobile site. All of the links on that page basically direct you to get the app. And upon, you know, installing and opening up the app, they'll show you that same creative craft project that you saw on mobile web. And of course, if you have the app, it'll open up already and take you straight to that that crafts project. So it's helping to drive adoption of their apps through their mobile website as a, you know, acquisition channel. You know, er, imagine any other there's like you go through probably a hundred other examples here. The high level concept though is if you want to link back to your app, 
it should be deep linked because in general, users don't really want your app. They want to engage with what's inside. And a deep link is the best way to, you know, put that foot forward to present to them that stuff that they really want to engage with. So you'll see, you know, dramatic increases in conversions and retention by drawing your users in with a deep link as opposed to just a generic app, you know, uh, app store link. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, we all think that people are just using our apps all the time and that's how we share like a pair of shoes, my 84 Michael Jordans or whatever. But realistically, we're out in the world, we're doing mm-hmm. things and we're getting stuff by email, by text. And this allows us to get into you know, yep. an app to see the content. Now, one thing that exactly. I'm, I, that's kind of blowing my mind is that you can direct them to the app store and after they actually install it, you can actually go to the correct link. And I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that yeah. correctly. Like what's involved with making that happen? Yeah, sure. So I was an app developer before Branch, and actually we built Branch as a tool when we needed it to build some of the features that we wanted. And I'll describe, I will answer your question, I promise. Uh, The core feature that we wanted to build, very simply, was an app-based mimic of the Dropbox-style referral program. And so if anybody was ever affected by the Dropbox referral program, which I think they've actually shut down because it was actually hurting their business so much. But the concept was you are a member of Dropbox. You get a referral link. You could share it with a friend. And if that friend clicked on it and signed up with Dropbox, then you got free space and they got free space. And so basically people were amassing these huge piles of free storage space just through this, you know, trying to game this referral program. But it worked incredibly well and dro- drove the majority of their growth over their early years. So for when in our app that we were working on before, I wanted to create that same functionality. And to do so required me to be able to pass that referring user information through the app store. So the flow that I wanted was I, I create a link. I share it with a friend. The friend does not have the app. They click on it go install the app, and then immediately open it up. And they're associated with me as the referrer. So they could see a personal welcome from me, you know, automatically receive their credit. I automatically receive my credit, all that kind of stuff, just in a very, very smooth fashion. Whereas the only way to do it today without doing this this concept of deferred deep linking is with like referral codes, which are a nightmare to build, ridiculous to manage, and really low conversion because a user has a hard time typing these stupid codes on their phone. Anyways, so how it works, how we built it was very simple. It's this concept of fingerprinting. And the way I did it, I'll use that same user flow and I'll describe the mechanics behind the scenes. So I share that as my friend. You click on it. What we did on the click is we basically received uh, around five to 10 different parameters about you as a user, which are IP address, operating system, version, device model, uh, a bunch of language, a bunch of other things that we would collect before we redirect you to the app store. And this would happen instantaneously. So it was like a very quick, you know, behind the scenes thing. We'd store that fingerprint from the browser behind the scenes. Then when you opened up the app, we'd basically generate the same parameter set from within the app, send it back to the server, and match the two up. If there was a match, we were very confident that you just clicked on that link. 
And so we would, you know, show you that personalization. And, you know, definitely there are some concerns about accuracy rates and like switching Wi-Fi's and IP address changes and all stuff. But Branch is now, so we, that's what powered a lot of what Branch was in the early days. But we're now at the scale where we process close to about 4 billion requests a day through our back end. And what we've been actually doing, accumulating, and it's one of the benefits of using our platform, is we set a cookie in the user's browser and we'll tie it to an IDFA or, you know, Google advertising ID on Android. And over time, we've basically amassed this gigantic pool of these 100% pairings of cookie to IDFA. And what that allows us to do actually is not use that fingerprinting mechanism, but actually use historical data that we've seen contributed from other apps on the platform. And so we, sh- we create this shared pool of cookies tied to IDFAs that anyone can benefit from. And so maybe you start using a branch link for the first time, your users click on it, then install the app. We'll tell you if we know that they were uh, clicked on that link with 100% accuracy or if we used fingerprinting. And you can then build, you know, things like auto login and other cool features on top of that. So like the the Slack login links as a great example of a really compelling feature built on top of the that branch pool to guarantee 100% accuracy when that data is passed through. So there's all sorts of really, really unique features that you can build out on top of this giant pool of data that we share among all apps on the platform. But hopefully that helps explain it. All right, let's take a break and earn a little money for the show by talking about Hired.com. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering, development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. They put you in control, fill out an application, and then top employers apply to hire you. Throughout the process, your dedicated talent advocate will also have your back, providing unbiased career coaching to help you put your best foot forward with potential employers. And Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. And they help people find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. So if you're open to relocation, you can let them know, and they'll work that in too. Finally, if you use our link, you can earn double the normal hiring bonus. The normal hiring bonus is 1000 bucks, and they give you 2000 instead. So go check them out at Hire.com slash iFreaks. No, that's, that's really cool. And now that you've explained it, you know, most of our listeners can go out and do it themselves. Um, but I'm imagining they yeah. probably don't want to if it exists. How do they get this functionality um, from your service? Yeah, sure. So it's actually totally free to use. We opened up the core platform with all link creation, you know, all that deferred deep linking and attribution and all that cool stuff for free. If you're, you know, a a bigger enterprise and you will end up paying us money. But if you're working on a side project, you can, uh, you know, sign up, add the SDKs and start creating links in about five minutes. We actually have a, a video on our site that shows we had a race of somebody had a Chipotle burrito. And there was another developer in the room who was tasked with trying to integrate the SDK and like start creating links before the person finished their burrito. And the developer won, of course. Uh, otherwise we wouldn't have posted it, but the, <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, it's really quick to get started. 
Uh, very cool. So you get the SDK, you set uh, your app delegate as uh, implementing some kind of delegate. How does oh, that yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So the high, really high-level description is you sign up, you basically configure link routing. So you say, where do I want to send users on iOS if they don't have the app? Where do I want to send users on iOS if they do have the app? And so quite really quick configuration on that kind of stuff. Then add the SDK, which has uh, a place in the app delegate where you register your deep link router. The deep link router is where you put that routing logic to say, if a user clicked a shoe link, load the shoe detail page and pass in this shoe ID and things like that. And then perhaps on the shoe detail page, you can add our share sheet, which is the native iOS share sheet wrapped in in uh, branch, so it'll automatically put deep links in every share message that goes out. And that's where you'd basically insert the shoe ID when a shoe link gets created to be shared with a particular user. So those are really the three high-level steps to get set up with deep link routing and uh, you know deep link creation. And then it's all all you know smooth sailing from there. Then you can check the dashboard for all your analytics and cool stuff. Oh, the other cool thing we just did too is we bought the app.link domain and we allow anyone to actually get subdomains and create their own and create and name their own subdomains on app.link. So for example, you could have like the Imgur team has imgur.app.link or you know you name it any sort of cool labeling on your subdomain you want so the links look like yours, which is really cool. So oh, very cool. Now one aspect of deep links that I didn't immediately get is that once you have a URL, like anyone can launch your app. Um, do you have any way of like preventing malicious people from launching things? So I think the common, this is a, um, a common pathway and a concern for sure of, you know, you, you add all this deep link infrastructure and, you're worried about modifying your link and trying to basically, you know, pass user data, like our private information, or even just malicious data to crash your app. And what we commonly recommend is when you add this, um, you know, this code for routing, you also make sure that you handle the case where you don't recognize certain data. So if the shoe ID, for example, does not actually correspond to a shoe in your database, what you'd want to do is just ignore it and make sure that you add that logic to correctly ignore it. Or what's common is some folks will actually bounce users out of the app into Safari and try to load that link in Safari so that the user doesn't like, you know, shown anything malicious or there's no crash or anything like that that would occur within the app. So it's definitely an edge case that you want to think through when it comes to routing. And unfortunately, we can't abstract that because it is it is so unique to each individual use case. But, you know, consider the case of like, what if I don't recognize the key in this uh, in this data that's passed through or the URI path or anything like that? And you can even t- create a couple test cases yourself and create a couple links that have kind of junk data in it just to make sure that you handle that, that those routes. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, what are some examples of apps that are doing a good job with deep linking. You talked about Pinterest, which is using your library. Um, any other success stories that people can yeah. use to model what they're doing? 
Yeah, sure. So there's, you know, a million, million different use cases. And we've got a bunch of stories on our, our site too that really try to shine examples of really powerful deep linked features. The, you know, the goat one is a, a really great compelling sharing use case. Like just download the app and share some links and chat flow. Very powerful. Another one, which is great for folks just getting started. We're good friends with actually a number of the dating apps use branch like a Tinder and, you know, a coffee meets bagel and like that. There's this app called The League that launched about two years ago and they created a really powerful feature, kind of like a gated invite system. When they launched, they actually didn't even build out the dating app. Maybe they don't want me sharing this too much, but the they cre- they only launched actually a registration page that had a counter of how many people were on the wait list. And what you could do is, you know, share the app with a friend to move up that wait list. And so they basically created this really powerful growth channel. Users sign up. They were so excited to get access to this dating app. They'd share with their friend, get them to install the app, and then they would move up on that waiting list. And then once they actually, you know, launched the feature uh, and actually launched that full, the dating service, they added another really powerful thing where they actually they made it a, a long approval process to actually get in and access the dating pool. So there was this sort of uh, resource constraint that made users want it more. And then any user that got in would get a really powerful deep link that they could share with a friend as a golden ticket. And the golden ticket, when that user clicked on that link, you know, installed the app or if they already had it, would immediately bypass that registration and waitlist process. And they and they saw, you know, easily in the double digits growth from just so that's a really powerful use case. So uh, the app is called the league, if I didn't mention that. Another really great one, if anyone uses uh, Instacart for grocery grocery thing, you know, all of their their emails are powered with deep links. And so you receive an email to you know, blueberries on sale or something like that. You click it, it'll open up the app, take you to that page. You can add it to your cart right away. And it, according to the early numbers, looks like it basically, uh, just adding deep links so that the app opened up. It increased their conversion to actually, you know, buy groceries by like three or four X from what they were seeing in mobile web. So huge, huge impact on their, on their actual, you know, the user experience. And send therefore conversions, you know, tons of tons of other really great examples on our blog and our website that I can refer you to if if, if needed. Uh, definitely uh, put a link in the in the chat. We'll put it in the show notes so our listeners can check it out. All right, sounds great. Hey Alex, I was wondering if it ever makes sense. Say you have an app, but you don't have a website. Yeah. Uh, does it does it make sense in that case to use deep linking at all, or does it no, not? Oh yeah, totally. I mean because. Like, and this is sort of the paradigm that we want to try to break, you know, break free of, of your app is not just an isolated place where people install it, open it up and then flow through that storyboard. Deep links allow you to expand the functionality of the app beyond its actual boundaries. And that's a little bit philosophical, but, you know, from a high level perspective, just adding sharing to the app, we actually have a really powerful feature called deep views that we expose and it's totally free to use where you build your app. Let's say, let's go with the shoe example again. You've got amazing shoes in your app. 
you let a user share a link to a pair of shoes, you can enable deep views for that link or for all your links. And what Branch will do is when that link is clicked and the app is not installed, we will actually show a mobile web rendering of that shoe. So it's actually a mobile website that we dynamically create and host on behalf of the developer that with a big call to action to go download the app. And so the benefit of that is that when a user clicks on that link, they don't get sent straight to an app store page. They actually see the content that they clicked on. It's just a much better user experience. And the cherry on top is that, you know, because it's a better user experience, most of the time uh, people see increases in install rates from the clicks of those links because a user basically gets a preview of the thing that they'll get in the app. And then they'll go in and convert and download and then engage with it, you know, more regularly. Whereas the alternative is you click a link, you get sent to an app store page, which loses that context. You know, if it, if you click on a pair of shoes to get sent to an app store page is rather jarring from a user experience perspective. Mm-hmm. So having that preview really helps people, you know, convert. So, you know, to be perfectly honest, we actually built a majority of the platform for users that don't have apps. Um, so the lot, lots of lots of uh, powerful use cases for that, that that's that context. Very cool. Well, anything else we should cover before we get to the picks? No, I, I I think you guys covered it all. You know, if anyone wants to get started at, with Branch, uh, you can just head to branch.io, um, or you know, we find us in Google, all the usual stuff. But if not, we're happy to advise you on your own deep linking strategy. You know, just send us an email at uh, integrations at branch.io and we'd be happy to help you figure out how to build it on your own too. We just more people deep linking because there's so much, there's an industry benefit when we get the entire ecosystem adopting this tech. Yeah, definitely. And especially since iOS 9, where it's directly supported by the operating system. So if you go to a different app, you can still get back to where you came from, which makes it a lot easier for yeah, internal exactly. apps. So if you've got your shoe sellers app and your shoe buyer app, they don't need to be the same app because the buyer doesn't really care generally. But uh, yeah, you can go back and forth and it's a lot smoother process than it used to be. So yeah, deep linking is a huge opportunity to just improve your work, your workflow, you know, whatever your app is supposed to be doing. Yeah. So cool. Let's get to the picks. Rod, what do you have for us? I just have one pick this week. I got an Amazon Echo and I've had a lot of fun playing with it. Oh, so I'll just demonstrate. Alexa, say hi. Hi there. You know, that's it. So I'm enjoying <laughs> that. That's my pick. Nice. Rod's pick is sending all his data to Google, including the entire recording <laughs> of this podcast. Allegedly. Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. Oh, sorry, Amazon. <laughs> you can write a bot to send it to Google. Yeah. So Alex, uh, do you have picks for us? I, I sure do. So I've got a I've got three of them. And so they're my crutches in life that honestly I couldn't live without. I couldn't function as a human being. So first one is I love data and data analysis. So, you know, one of the powerful features of Branch is uh, we do attribution. So you can tell where your installs actually came from on top of all the deep linking functionality. And so you basically can really dive deep into growth and re-engagement and figure out where your users are, you know, flowing from and flowing to and all that kind of cool stuff. And so the tool that I use to do all my data analysis, because I find that it's incredibly easy to join tables, add filters, plot graphs, do everything, is a tool called JMP. 
and it's a bit pricey, but they do have a pretty cheap student version you can get. And you can also do a free trial. But honestly, I could not live without this tool. I probably use it, I think, two to three times a day. So I don't have a demo, but you can check out JMP on Google and just see what the what the tool is like. It's essential for me. The other thing that I recently bought, and I'm a super cheap person, and so this was like a really big move for me, is uh, the some of these like really nice noise canceling headphones. Uh, so I got you know some of the Bose headphones. They're like ridiculously overpriced at four hundred dollars, but honestly, putting them on, you just feel like you're in a totally different world. People can be talking around you, you know, you name it. There could be music going on, and you can't hear any of it. It's just like it's one of the. Mo- it's made such a dramatic impact on my life as a whole to be able to actually go into my headphones and just like avoid the rest of the world. So while you'll kind of like when you make that checkout, you're gonna you know feel that pain of that cost. But I guarantee you know a month later after you've been living in that in the headphone world for a while, you'll be happy you did it. <laughs> I agree. Um, I do I do co-working, so I'm in a room with a bunch of different people and without noise canceling headphones, and I've got a pair of bows too. Like I wouldn't be able to do it. Just so many distractions that keep you away. So yeah. definitely if you use them while you're working, they pay for themselves many times over. Yeah, it's just a it's a no brainer. It's just one it's like a we've got to have it. It's a crutch. The last one is actually a, a friend's startup. I'm a bit of a coffee fanatic. I basically have to make all my coffee in the morning. I don't do anything ridiculously crazy. It's not a, you know, a you know, really complicated process, but I like the coffee strong and effective. And so one of my friends worked at a uh, basically a bean seller uh, or a bean roaster for a few years and just started a company around a new kind of coffee maker that's actually a mix of a French press and a pour over. And so he calls it a coffee steeper. So you can find his site at fellow. Uh, if you just look fellow coffee steeper on Google, you'll find it. Um, but what I do is you put in the, you know, your coffee, your ground coffee beans, you put in some boiling water and you just let it sit for five to six minutes. And, you know, getting the, he has a bunch of recommendations on temperature and ground quantity and amount and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, you probably don't need to get into all those details. Pour over, let it sit for four, you know, five, six minutes, drain it. And it is super strong, really smooth, and just a very delicious cup of coffee and easy to make. I honestly couldn't live without that in my life either. Like, to, you know, coming in with an espresso maker in the office is just nowhere near as effective as the coffee steeper. So, so highly recommend it. So, what does it do in addition to, say, the, just the French press? So, it, it's nice because it actually it has like a filter, so you don't have to you know worry about a bunch of like very hefty grains getting caught in there. Like you'll you'll basically get actual clean coffee, so you won't be like biting coffee up. And so it's the pour over with the filter, but also the you know French press kind of uh, style and taste, which is which is awesome. Oh, very cool! I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Well, thanks, Alex. Highly recommended. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, we learned a lot about Branch, and if you've done deep linking yourself into these apps, you know it's a it's a pain. So I think Branch is a great way to simplify a lot of our lives. So I'm definitely going to check it out the next time I have to do some deep linking in an app. Nice. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity, and uh, I hope everybody can you know 
adopts it as quickly as possible because the possibilities once you do are endless. Very cool. All right. We'll talk to you all next week. 